Gaming Podcast. Uh, this is myself, Josh Hartley, and my co-host, uh, Ben Porter. How are you doing? Hello. Uh, we've got a couple of things to talk to you about this week. Uh, the first of all, and probably the most, the, the biggest topic of conversation, is the lawsuit that has been uh, carried out, uh, taken out against a massive company, Games Workshop. But the, the current lawsuit... Anyway. Yeah, there, 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 there have been a few. Yeah. Uh, that, we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about the history of legal action being taken against and by Games Workshop. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we'll leave that for another time. And uh, we, uh, speaking of Games Workshop, we have recently finished playing through uh, the recent Warhammer Quest Silver Tower. I say recently, we started this yep, about a year it, ago. Yeah, it did take us a year, I think, because it, it actually it actually released last summer, mm. and we only just finished it the other week. It took us that long. Yeah, they've released the sequel. Yep. <laughs> so, but we'll so we'll get on to talking about that after afterwards, and uh, maybe a bit more about some other dungeon crawling type games. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. But let's let's get started with the uh, this lawsuit now. Just to, in case you haven't seen on the so internet, it's sixty-two point five million dollars. Sixty-two point five million dollars. Yeah. This is filed in uh, Florida on the thirty-first of May, twenty seventeen, uh, by a Mr. David Moore, uh, and I suppose, it, like at its most basic, we can we can split the the lawsuit into two elements. Uh, the second element. And the one that might have a bit more weight to it uh, are Games Workshop's uh, business practices. Yeah. Uh, what uh, David Moore in this complaint is alleging uh, unfair business practices. Well, to to be fair to, um, I, th- I think it's it's Reverend Moore. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Yes, yeah. Rever- the, sorry, <laughs> the Reverend Moore. He is a, he he has a law degree. He owns uh, get some game shops. And uh, is, apparently he is a reverend as well. And is also a, a disabled veteran, so a very colourful character, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so it's, I'll, I'll, I'll read out the so the, the exact... Uh, the four, co- um, four actions here, four cause of actions. Uh, we have restraint of trade, uh, willful pump and dump scheme. Which, to, to quickly explain... Mm-hmm. Is um it's basically bogus stocks. It's kind of similar to what Leonardo DiCaprio's character did in the Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. Yeah. Yes, it's it's cre- it's pretending that you have this demand for this project to or this this product mm. to to make people invest in it. Yeah, is, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it basically, and because um, that it's it's not really a phrase we use over here. No. Pump and dump. So just to no. explain. And yeah. then the fourth action is conspiracy and breach of contract. Now, like, so these, I mean, basically, these all boil down to Games Workshop being um, kind of difficult to work. Difficult I think, to. I. I mean, obviously, he's alleging alleging illegal. Well, well, to 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 use the the old adage that there's a there's a kernel of truth in everything, mm. and I, I think that we each of us that um that that's invested in in Games Workshop or their products, we we've all got a um 
I think a few stories between us about um, some sketchy uh, business activity. I mean, I I I know a couple of people um, who who have owned or do own local gaming stores, and uh, some of them have actually um, dropped their uh, yeah their, um, uh, I, their I, contracts with Games Workshop yeah. over. Um, questionable business practices. I I don't know the ins and outs. It's not something you generally. Um... I think it's worth it's worth noting at this point. Actually, uh, neither myself um, nor Ben, uh, unless you unless you haven't told me that you're a lawyer. No. <laughs> we no. we we we're not legal experts. So um, I I. We're a- we were... a- amateurs. Yes, yes, enthusiastic amateurs. Yes. <laughs> so um, I. <sighs> See that's so this section of the complaint though to me seems like that might have something to it, right? Now yeah. this is this has been filed in America, so obviously American yeah. law is different to British law. Yeah. Um, but I mean, from from reading the um, from reading the complaint, and you can go online to read it. It's, it's relatively short document, six pages. The, the affidavit, I think they call is that, it. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 the the name they use. But you can get, as you see, you can get the full thing online. Yeah. So um, from reading that, it all relates to sort of uh, business practices of Games Workshop that are maybe um, well, again, alleged to be illegal. Yeah. I don't know. Like is the bottom line. I I I share your sort of experience with that in that um, a lot of people I know who have dealt with uh, Games Workshop in that regard as a stockist yeah. uh, have said that they are very difficult to work with. Uh, I, I, I will say as a customer um, my dealings with Games Workshop have always been great. Mm. Um, they're always very fast to respond to complaints and things like that. So um, my personal experience with Games Workshop isn't really negative. No, and and likewise, uh, but uh, all, we're consumers, right? When yeah, we, so when it's, a, it's we, a totally it's a, different it's a, relationship. Exactly, yeah, it, yeah. it's a very different relationship. There's a, there's a lot more give and take when you are a, in a business to business relationship. Yeah. When you are a stockist and uh, Games Workshop is the supplier, uh, it's a, it's a really weird dynamic actually. Think about it because obviously Games Workshop have this like um, huge chain of high street stores um massive like international definitely yeah exactly and i mean i I, think i think they actually have stores in every continent now antarctica except antarctica (laughs) no i'd love that no i'm I'm, I'm they definitely need to get on that look (laughs) the the penguins would love some (laughs) some blood bowl (laughs) definitely I, I no well. Look, think about it. Like, who lives out in Antarctica? It's uh, research scientists, right? There's got to be a few nerds they there. They would definitely benefit from a games workshop. Well, Jesus Christ, what else are you gonna do? Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> although all the all the paint will freeze, so and and snow and penguins will quite quickly lose their appeal. I imagine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's only there's only so much, yeah. so many times you can think to yourself, ah, oh, snow, great. Yeah. And the li- <laughs> I mean, I, I've just bought a load of stuff for snow effects. I, I mm. can imagine the last thing they would want to do is 
be recreating snow effects on their miniatures. <laughs> it's just everywhere now. Yeah, I can't escape it. Or, or yeah, or maybe that's it becomes the only thing they know, so it's the only <laughs> thing that they can replicate. Uh, we we have gone off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So um, no, the the point I was going to make though is, I mean, certainly, yeah, the, the global chain of high street stores, which are competing with these independent stores or smaller change yeah. chains that are stocking their product. So yeah. there's a there's a bit of a conflict of interest. It's, it's in quite there. weird, isn't it? And I, I'm, I'm from from what I've heard from my insider sources. No, as you know, from from people I know that have had mm. dealings with Games Workshop as a stockist, um, the the reps a lot of the time are, are competing with mm. one another for sales. So you you've got this weird dynamic where they're all part of the same company, but inevitably your friendly local gaming stores mm-hmm. are competing with the the Games Workshop or the Warhammer stores. As they're now yes. called. Sorry, yes, they are. They have been rebranded. So, um, yeah. So that that's a weird dynamic. That's that's a weird thing. And certainly the the point you're making there about the sort of reps from uh, Games Workshop mm. being pushy that that isn't unique to Games Workshop. No, certainly. it's not. But yeah. it's, it's certainly that setup's unusual because mm-hmm. you, usually if you've got a setup where you're using reps, that's the business model. Is yeah. you have the reps. They go to the the stockists, and and that's that's how you operate the business. Like certainly as an electrician, mm-hmm. um, that's how most of the lighting companies work, where they they have a rep for each area, yeah, and then he um, he will be the go between with the main company and yeah. the stockists, and sometimes the stockists will arrange meetings with um, the their own clients and mm-hmm. the the rep if they have a particular complaint about the the company or something like that yeah but those lighting companies don't set up their own stores and neither do they have a market share of uh, in excess of uh, i mean the 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 law document here that we've just been reading uh alleges that they have a market share of uh, in excess of 80 percent of uh of the miniatures wargaming market which actually that that yeah. actually sounds quite realistic. Yeah, because I mean, probably the next biggest competitor would be Privateer Press. Yeah, with the they, War they, Machine hordes. They they have little to no um, following in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's certainly nothing compared to what Privateer Press have in America. Yeah, which is obviously where they're based. Yeah, but even then, even then, like the um, the. Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar, they are definitely the biggest games. Oh yeah, I mean, like e- even people that don't play those games mm-hmm. know what Space Marines are. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, no no one could really tell you who Kador or the Trollkin are. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, I, they, and I'm they, into this they, stuff. They're, they're two <laughs> factions from the Privateer Press there we go. IPs. Right. So, um... So that's that's like the that was kind of the second half uh, of the uh, this lawsuit, uh, and if you go, it's really interesting actually. If you read the document, the last page, it details. Um, so that's sixty-two and a half million dollars uh, that they're being sued for breaks it down. So which uh, 
is an enormous amount of money. Oh, yeah. Because I'm right. I, I I was thinking about this on mm-hmm. my way to work this morning. Yeah. The kind of house that I want to live in doesn't even cost a million. <laughs> it's, yeah. So I'm, I I don't like. Oh, I will settle for a house worth one percent of that. Yeah. <laughs> like how how. How anyone could spend that? I mean, obviously we're talking about corporations, but it, I just wanted to take a minute to emphasise that that isn't a vast sum of money. It's, yeah. I mean, obviously in this day and age where we're talking about billionaires and all like that, mm-hmm. sometimes a figure like that can be lost on us. But that, it, yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone on their own could spend that in a lifetime. That is to put. I'll this, give it a go. I'll put, give it a go. Here, I'll give it a yeah, go. <laughs> but to put this into perspective, did you know that a million days have not yet elapsed since the date of Jesus' death? I did, it's it's something I've never even considered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, yeah, that, a million on its own is a that's lot. a huge. So yeah, sixty-two point five is yeah. insane. So, so, so this is the point I was going. I'm, I'm gonna. I was gonna make that the last page sort of breaks down into each complaint, each section of this uh, lawsuit. Yeah. What, uh, what money the complainant feels is uh, due. So. Yeah, because they, they cause it's, it's worth saying as well in in, in lawsuits. You can't just pull a figure out your bum and say this is how much I want. You do have to have some structure yes for what for what you you believe is, mm-hmm. is owed yeah so I'm, I'm gonna read directly from uh, the document so um says here this is the first part award plaintiff his costs of litigation upon his detailed accounts of hours and work on these matters kept concurrent with w- the work itself and damages of 2.5 million dollars so that's, will- that's his personal what, what well, feels this is part part of it. Part of it. Two point five million dollars for willful, intentional, and illegal acts to damage plaintiffs' businesses and investments. So, uh, we we said earlier, uh, this David Moore he owns. Uh, he 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 was an employee of FASA. But which... I th- I think he is the current owner of a shop in Shelby in North Carolina yes. called the Imperial Emporium. Yes, uh, they, they, the, the other the other ones I couldn't find anything. Yeah, there were there were a few but, a few listed against yeah. him, but we did find that one. So yeah. so we know that he you know he he runs a, a gaming store. He's a vested interest yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Yes. So there, there's that part for two point five million, and then we have right at the end uh, punitive damages of ten million paid by Games Workshop to plaintiff for willful, intentional, and illegal acts of RICO, price fixing, stock manipulation, fraud, tort. Tortious interference with business. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, copyright theft. Tor- torturous, I think. Is it torturous? Uh, it's got an I in. Tortious. Oh, yeah. Uh, copyright theft, public fraud, misuse of copyright laws, et al. Uh, just, so, just to quickly say, Rico is the anti racketeering thing. Yes. So the, this guy. He's been compared this guy, to him. Yeah. yeah. He wants this treated as organised crime. Yeah. Um, but so so that that's ten million, and then we've got two and a half million. So twelve twelve point five million. This gentleman feels that Games Workshop owed to him through their uh, what he alleges illegal business practices. Okay, and my point is, 
That sounds excessive. However, I can kind of see... It, uh, it scales up when you're talking about a business, though. Of course. Be- because obviously that's not um, his profits. He'll be talking about, you know, um, like like you say, like you, uh, it'll be things like dead stock and, mm. um, you know, employees... Yeah, wages and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and and I can, I can see there being some precedent uh, for that part, right? Uh, so I can sort of understand. Well, yeah, like yeah. we've just said, we we know personally of people mm. that have definitely been treated unfairly. Yeah. Um, by um, Games Workshop, whether or not the the people in the upper echelons are aware of that, I don't know because I know that. That things like that can yeah, can slip can get, through the cracks, yeah. especially when you've got um, sales reps that um, I mean, they, you know, any any sales reps that I know, they have a lot of autonomy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, so we can understand that point. Um, so that leaves fifty million dollars. What what does he feel Games Workshop need to pay fifty million dollars for? Oh, do tell. <laughs> well. And this is kind of a, this is the thing I kind of think is a bit bogus. The, if I'm the, being the, pra- the, this is where it, it seems as though it's at cross purposes with itself, doesn't yeah. it? Because he's so far he's painted himself as this kind of champion of the people, which mm. is fair enough because he, as an independent stockist, has he's probably got his fair share of of um, uh, disagreements yeah. that he's had with the company and he'll probably mm-hmm. know of other people in the industry who have been treated unfairly. Yeah. So what the fifty million dollars is, broadly speaking, for fraud. Now what he is uh, suggesting is that Games Workshop have unlawfully uh, stolen ideas from other intellectual properties. Now the intellectual properties that have been uh, named. Uh, so we've got well, the obvious one is uh, the, for Warhammer Fantasy, uh, what Age of Sigma used to be called. Um, he's alleging that that that's a misuse of uh, Tolkien's Middle Earth. That universe. and every other fantasy IP yeah. since. 1950 <laughs> or whenever Lord of the Rings came out. Right. So, so and and this is this is exactly my point. So, um, we've we've also got things like uh, the idea of alien or aliens coming from you know the um, well, the, H.R. Yeah, Geiger the, the, and get the Tyranids and yeah. the, the, there's very obvious parallels mm-hmm. between them and Ridley Scott's aliens. Yeah. We got Space Marines from um, this uh, from the novel Starship Troopers. I, I believe there were other novels by the same uh, I think author. It's, I think it was a trilogy and I think Starship Troopers is the third. Right. So they're, they're saying that Space Marines are stolen from that. Uh, we have um, the game Battletech uh, by FASA uh, talking about... Uh, sci-fi tabletop war game set in a 31st century space empire with warp travel dropships power armored gene modified humans it, which again is like every other fantasy uh, sorry sci-fi ip yeah in the last century and then we have things like he also mentions uh, exact sculpts of universals dracula frankenstein werewolf and mummy 
So, but, so have they, have they, I take it he's alleging they've been used in the Warhammer Fantasy games. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and they, they, to be fair, right? So you can they they do obviously have vampires and mummies. And you, you, I love the old eighties and early nineties sculpts that Games Workshop did, and you had like the sort of um, the. They do look like the classic movie monsters, but so so here's the thing, right? Well, is is that unlawful? It's it, to me, it's a homage. The whole point of Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer Forty Thousand, I think Warhammer Forty Thousand is the better example to give because that's you know still well, it's it's the one that um, has had the more recent controversy because yeah. you had the the Chapter House lawsuit and then there was a lawsuit where. Um, Games Workshop was the plaintiff, mm. and it was an author who'd used Space Marines in her right. novel. And I think the ruling at the end of that was that Games Workshop do not have a monopoly yeah, on the Space, term Space Marine. Too. So exactly right. It's 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 generic, right? I mean, so the whole point in the the Warhammer Forty K universe is that it is every single trope of science fiction imaginable, right? You've got the Space Marines, obviously, which are, you know, taken from the aforementioned Starship Troopers. We've also got... It's also got elements of the Halo games and Gears The poster boys of humanity, basically. Yeah, you've got got the Tyranids, which are clearly inspired by, you know, the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You have uh, the Necrons, which look a bit like the Terminator, like the Terminator robots. You've got the Tau, which is building on loads of ideas and tropes from Japanese anime. Uh, you, you've got uh, like this big m- m- mac, like a big mash up. Yeah. I was trying to go, I was going to go for mix and then I was going to go for mash up and then <laughs> I got lost. But we, so you've got this big mash up of all these different ideas and tropes from the whole science fiction genre. Yeah. Right? So, at what point does homage become theft? Well, using this guy's logic, I think I, I said to you the other mm. day when we first talked about this, um, there's very obvious parallels between Voldemort from Harry Potter mm-hmm. and Sauron. From, right. From Lord of the Rings. Does, and you were saying to the point where... Yeah, I mean, um, well, you know, Voldemort's got his horcruxes, mm. Sauron had the one ring, you've got, you know, both of them are these... Uh, widely feared dark lords, mm-hmm. you know, with incredible power and influence, who have tethered their souls to artifacts mm-hmm. in order to ensure that they can come back in the event that they're defeated. Mm-hmm. And J.K. Rowling has openly said that she is a huge fan of Tolkien and that she was heavily influenced by his stuff and also C.S. Lewis she's she's a big fan of fantasy in general yeah right so so why why does no one go after her for for Voldemort it's because you can't copyright something as abstract as yeah, that yeah something as generic yeah and so it, I, we should note by the way uh, this lawsuit the 50 million isn't going to go directly to this guy he's going to He's saying he's going to set up a trust and then distribute uh, the the proceeds from. Uh, this the is case. where I think it's really dumb because he, he talks about how he's going to pay monies to people that he feel have been ripped off. And he uses Fox as an example, so he's going to be 
this he's painting himself as this sort of Robin Hood type figure mm. by stealing from the rich to give to the rich. Yeah. Also, never mind that. No, no, so Universal, Fox, uh, the Tolkien estate, right? None of these guys have sued Games Workshop. No. And like this, they could. Yep. If they really wanted to, if they felt there was a legal uh, basis for it, they definitely could. Yeah. They've got their, those kind of resources, but they haven't. Yeah. So like, they, 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 it, they, and they must have looked at it right. They, they, you would, like, if you were the Tolkien, the Tolkien estate, you definitely. Would. Never mind the fact that you know Games Workshop, by the way, have a licensed product are based on the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films, which you know involve yes, Tolkien's they're, they're, work. They're in partnership with <laughs> yeah. Games Workshop. So it's like we we were saying as well, if you go far back enough, yeah. you know it, it, to, Tolkien's quite. Uh, we keep talking about Tolkien, but he's he's a good example. Yeah. Where, um, uh, Tolkien's quite widely considered the granddaddy of of fantasy as we know it. Yeah. Even people that don't like Tolkien have to sort of bend the knee to his vast influence because whether directly or indirectly you can see Tolkien's fingerprints all over um, fantasy mm-hmm. and the, when, when I read into Tolkien mm-hmm. and found out a little bit more about his influences they and he, he, he was obviously he was a professor of medieval poetry so he yeah. read loads and loads of that and a lot of his ideas actually come from old Norse poems called Eddas. Yeah. Right. And so much so that the, the names of the dwarves from Thorin's company are actually lifted directly from a Norse poem. So what you're telling me is by this logic, uh, that wait, wait, Odin wait. should sue the Tolkien estate. You should definitely get on that because I think the very fact that they've actually used... Uh, that's, just, that, that's just blatant like rip off yeah so <laughs> we're not talking about like abstract similarities here it's he's he's lifted some poor dead unknown viking bards ideas and plunked them straight into his ip odin get it sorted yeah i get imagine sorted. he's probably got some good lawyers being like <laughs> do, you wonder, do you wonder if he might have his like work cut out with the marvel universe sir with uh, Thor, and <laughs> I, I, I imagine that oh, an American Gods as well. Of course, I. Uh, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> oh well. Ah, uh, no one's watching it. It's on yeah. Amazon Prime. So, <laughs> so I mean, so in in summary, for me, um, the 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 part about Games Workshop's business practices, I can see there being some sort of legal ba- uh, basis. I don't think this guy's going to get anywhere because, let's face it, Games Workshop have a pretty sound legal team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the the uh, allegations of ripping off uh, other licenses, I think there's no leg to stand on. The, really. No, the, the whole the whole IP thing, that that's just going to get thrown out. Yeah. Because, as we've already illustrated, and as most people know... Um, you, you you can't there's certain things you cannot put a trademark on yeah like um elves and dwarfs or space marines and space marines yeah so um do you wonder maybe if he thrown that bit in there uh as a sort of ploy to try and spook them 
Maybe like like maybe he he knows that realistically he won't get that, but if he puts that in there, that will scare them enough to sort of do an out of court settlement for the other points, which are a bit more realistic. I, I really don't know what this guy's end game is, to be honest, because like like we've said that this is the sort of thing that would just get binned mm. in a country like the UK. It, it wouldn't even no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't get to this point, but. It seems like the sort of wacky thing that could fly in America. You know, like the the guy that sued McDonald's for making him fat. Aye, yeah, like like it. Uh, so I I maybe the guy does think that he he can get some easy money here, but I think with the sort of money that he's asking for. I mean, I, I don't know what Games Workshop's net worth is, but it seems almost as though. It's the sort of money that could put a, a company in serious trouble if it were to be awarded. Sure, I so mean, it, it, I'm I'm saying that to say that I think possibly the guy just has a grudge against Games Workshop and wants to try and put. Yeah, them under. I mean, he's a former employee of uh, FASA, which were like a big competitor to Games Workshop, certainly with their Battletech game. Yeah. Um, but the, I think we were seeing earlier the most well-known was probably Shadowrun. Shadowrun, yeah, yeah. Which, which is a pen and paper RPG. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's since been published by... Other yes, people, yeah, it's, but... it's, it's been taken, the IP's been taken up by someone else, but uh, that's, that's probably what they're most well-known for. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, like I say, in summary, um, it it's just a bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit silly, just... but I, I I think we just have to wait and see what yeah. happens because who knows? It's it's not over here. But I I I, I was watching um, one of the one of the other gaming bloggers talking about it, and with him being American, he obviously knows a bit more about the American law. But apparently, the 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 way that it's been set up, um, the the, the defendants will have to mm-hmm. personally come in and submit papers. They can't just post them in. Also, like the 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 uh, board of uh, Games Workshops are actually going to have to gonna, fly to Florida. The the board, or they're going to have to send a, a, some a lawyer, some representative, right? Personally. Okay. Well, they'll have an American lawyer, surely. Yeah. Well, because they, they've they've got the I think it's Memphis is yeah. their American headquarters. Yeah. 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 So they they have, they have a base of operations there. Because they used to have a battle bunker there as well, I think. Ah, right. Which was like the American Warhammer world. Yeah. But I don't think it was ever quite as as big. The, the trouble with America is it's so vast. Like some a central point like that, the, well, it, so many people yeah. won't be able to get there. Well, that's they, they've got the two the two big tournaments. You've got the Las Vegas Open in the mm. West, and then you've got Adepticon. It's Adepticon Chicago area. But I think I think you're right. I think it's yeah. Midwest. But the the point, and I think I think the, I think I don't know if it still runs, but they used to have one called Colonial, which was East Coast. That sounds like it, I don't know why it sounds like it would but be on the East it's Coast. It's so big that that it, it does need a grand tournament yeah. in each part of the country, whereas obviously, you know, for us Nottingham is the. That's the go-to. The, yeah. the vacuum for for wargaming in the most in the things nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> to be pretty, fair, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, uh, with th- that in mind, with speaking about Games Workshop, yeah, we have recently finished the Silver Tower. So uh, there was four of us 
uh, we had ourselves and Ben's wife Charlotte was playing with us yep. and our friend Callum as well. So uh, this took us, was it just under a year or just over? Can you remember when you first bought I think it? it? W- I think it was just over. I'm not sure. I would need to check the release date, but... You got it on release, it was, didn't you? Yeah, it was. I, I went in the the, the Saturday. Mm. Um, I think I think I think I, I remember it quite clearly because Hibs were playing Rangers that day. Uh, so the, tra- the trains were an absolute riot. Guys, we're we're based in Glasgow, by the way. Um, so uh, Rangers. So fo- just... football's fun up yeah. here. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so so obviously Rangers are one of the biggest teams in Glasgow. Uh, and Hibs are one of the biggest teams in Edinburgh. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the trains would have been a nightmare. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, um, and we're saying it took us over a year. That, in case you're thinking, oh, my, this must be vast, this must be huge, we played it literally like once a month, if that. It, it might have been once every other yeah. month, just... And then- you know, I, trying I, to get the four of us together. I did also get married in that time. Yeah, that kind of that kind of takes up a lot of your time. Yeah, I hear. Yeah, so <laughs> can confirm. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was great fun though. Uh, it was quite nice because I, I play um, pen and paper RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and that sort of thing. So it was actually what I liked about um, Silver Tower. And I believe the original Warhammer Quest is like this as well. I must confess, I've never actually played the original Warhammer Quest. I haven't. Yeah. But it was quite just... It was nice just to go back to basics. It, 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 you could almost describe it as RPG light, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. I would, I'd, I'd compare it to something like uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Yeah. Um, albeit there's a campaign to it, which, uh, yeah... It's like it's it's got it's got all of the bare bones mm. of a tabletop RPG, uh, but nowhere near the the complexity of something like D and D. So it it does it does it's the kind of thing that you, although we did decide to play, um, the full campaign, mm. you could just sit down with a few mates on a, a Saturday night for oh, a few beers yeah. and just and just do a night dungeon do a nice like thing and that that that's what I, uh, really worked for me because you know I, don't get me wrong I absolutely love like Pathfinder D and D that sort of thing yeah uh, but sometimes you know you just want to sit down and you want to just beat someone up with a sword you don't want to do the, you yeah. don't want to do the the acting the improvising the planning the uh, tracking, uh, leveling up, that sort of thing. You just, you just want to go there, roll dice, and watch some goblins die. Yep. So for that, it was great. Now uh, we were, we kept with the same characters throughout the whole thing. I was playing. Um, I'm not so great on the you, names you, here. You were was, playing the warrior priest. Uh, the cleric, basically. My yeah. my job was you, you healing. Had, you had, uh, which was quite cool. You had the little griff hound. And yeah, he, he sort of runs uh, about doing his own thing. He overperformed at times. He took a few. Du- he took a few dudes down. Yeah, like we we did throw him under the bus a few times as well. <laughs> he he died for the greater good. Yes, but he came back. He, he came okay. back. He was okay. Griffon two. They have they have good. <laughs> Griffon three. They, they have, no, they are very capable vets in the age of summer. <laughs> yes, the first Griffon's just gone to the farm. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> having a great time. 
<laughs> so, th- so that was the character I was playing. Uh, ben, um, Ben, uh, his army in Age of Sigma and Warhammer Fantasy is always dwarf. So, yeah. Ben, what were you playing? So, I, I was playing um, a little chap called a Fire Slayer Doomseeker. So, the the, fi- the Fire Slayers, if if anyone doesn't know, are a new faction for Age of Sigmar, and the. They they look a lot like the slayers of old, mm. but it, instead, mohawks and all. Yeah, so that they're they're like this uh, this cult that are dedicated to the dwarf god of war, mm. and they they're they're not too fond of clothes, shall we say? <laughs> no, um, no. I mean they they do they do they, they wear enough. It's, it's not a good look for like portly short creatures but at the same time you're not really going to stand there and argue with these no. guys if they if they want to be naked well bat, guess, bat guess, well, guess we've just got to deal with yeah, it yeah and the the you know they they really um dish out a lot of damage as well this, yeah like, essentially this guy's like dwarf barbarian i think yeah I, that's exactly what i was going to just compare him to you yeah. know the classic D barbarian yeah. uh he, he's also incredibly heavy metal I was just actually thinking, Fire Slayers, that's the name of my new thrash metal band. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a good name. Um, and then Callum played the a character called the Night Quester, which was the um, a Stormcast Eternal, which yeah. uh, they're, they're heavily, the poster boys of Age of Sigmar. Yeah, so a, a picture like a heavily armoured paladin. Yeah, like, yeah, and he like whereas you were the berserker, the 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 barbarian, the damage dealer. Uh, Callum was the tank. He was taking the damage. He was blocking off the yeah. other enemies while you were picking them off. And then finally, Charlotte was the, this was a very bizarre name for this character, Tenebral Shard. Which, yeah, you, you can't really picture what that looks like just from the name. It was an elf. It's, it's basically it, it. It looks a lot like um. If you could imagine, like a male version of the old witch elves with the big hair yeah. and the, the blades, and he it, he he can he can teleport, mm-hmm. and then the next attack that he does after he teleports does double damage. It was a bit like the bit like the the sneak attack that yeah, rogues he's, he's, do in he's a rogue, like, basically. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. So last um, cannon. Yeah. So um, overall, I mean, the the rules were simple enough, which yeah. was great. Um, they can I just say though. The setup of the rule book was oh awesome. yeah the it it they they overlooked a really basic thing and that is they 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 didn't have an index in the rule book, which made consulting the rule book an absolute pain. And to be clear, it, it's not a huge rule book, but even even still, like it, but it's it's those instances where somewhat you know you've maybe not played it for a, a month mm. someone asks a question then you're like ah, you need to go through the book and you're having to go through every single page to find the thing mm-hmm. that you because it, it's not just that there there's no index it's quite badly set out as it is yeah yeah i i, I, I don't know about you I, th- I feel that's been a problem that games workshop have had for a while now particularly with their standalone boxed games yeah. Uh, the um, the main rule books for oh, like forty yeah. k, not so much. No. Um, but yeah, for these supplemental standalone box games, uh, sometimes the, the rules are they they could have been laid out a bit more clearly. Definitely. Um, but 
having said that, it was great fun to play through. Uh, each session took a couple of hours, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, thereabouts. Obviously, so, it, it, it did vary slightly, but yeah. I would say that's the and average runtime. Overall difficulty. Um, there were a couple. There were a couple where we had to have another go at it. Like there was a there were a couple of sections that um, there's oh, there's one of the uh, bosses uh, the. Was it the Grand Thaumaturge or the Ogroid Thaumaturge? There you go. Thank you. Um, big old demon, right? And he was like, like a sort of minotaur demon yeah. wizard. We faced him. I think we faced him relatively early on. You you do you do level up a bit. You get like skills and treasure and all that. Um, and we faced him relatively early in the campaign. So we found that quite tricky. Because you do. It's maybe worth saying. Um, you get random events, in yeah, the game, which is a is a great little mechanic. Um, at the start of each turn, uh, the the rune marked player, which is your player one, uh, rolls the the destiny dice. Mm-hmm. They have five dice. Any doubles are removed, and you consult this chart to see if there's been any additional effects. Mm-hmm. And I think it's if you roll it's double one or double six, isn't it? I, and I you have you, to. Yeah, you you so you you roll. On the initial destiny dice roll, you get an unexpected event, and then you roll your dice to see which part of the book you consult. Yeah. And if you roll two sixes, uh, the Ogroid Thaumaturge, which, which never happened to us actually, but we they they do vary from good from like oh you find a, a random NPC who's going to join your party for a bit, or sometimes you get an item. Yeah. yeah. To a Skaven assassins appeared. And yep. it's killing you right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that that was fun. Uh, that that gave the game a, a, an element of um, unpredictability. Now, um, so we finished this now, and they uh, it took us that long. They've done the sequel. They've done yeah. uh, Sh- Shadows Over Hammerhall. Right. So and um, so so what's different about Shadows Over Hammerhall from from what you've well, uh, pu- purely from a design perspective, this one's different because it actually has a game master. Yeah. Because the previous other games, you you would for your adversaries, you would just roll a dice, and you and they would have different behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the addition of a game master obviously adds a whole new level of complexity. But the other thing is, as the name suggests, uh, this one is set in one of the cities in Age of Sigmar. Right. So from a lore perspective, it's pretty cool because mm-hmm. I think it's the first time within a game setting that we actually get to see um, uh, what the, the civilised parts of... of um, the Age the, of Sigmar. The, the mortal realms, as they're called, um, look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, they they also have added in things like you can you can explore, yeah. Um, you can go about the town. I think you can actually buy items and things like that. So, it it's it's borrowing a bit more from games like D and D and Pathfinder, like, like sure, you said where you, you get like non combat, but it still retains the the simplicity of a board game. Mm-hmm. So I. I think we, we, we're going to try it at some point, but uh, I think we've got another couple of games that we want to play. Most notably, your most recent purchase, Ben. Yeah, I um, I backed the Kickstarter for the Dark Souls board game. Mm. 
I I would not say that I'm a fan of the series necessarily. I, I do love the the creepy sort of Cronenberg body horror aesthetic. Yeah, mashed up with all the the Japanese anime tropes, but. I could not get into those games. Just, just to to clarify as well, like I, um, I, I don't really play video games anymore. So the whole Dark Souls thing has passed me by. I have friends though who absolutely love them. Oh, it's, I, I think, I think, um, I think Dark Souls are one of those Marmite type games. Though Pe- people either have no time for them or are obsessed with them. Oh, I, th- I I think I would be the former. I uh, like it doesn't seem like my sort of thing at all. I uh, want a game to make me feel good. Yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not to make me feel incompetent. Yeah, that happens to me nine to five. Yeah. So like the, the, the thing that annoyed the thing that um, really irritated me with Dark Souls was that it's actually quite glitchy. Yeah, I've heard that. I've but heard that. The, for for the the diehard fans, that just adds an extra layer of masochism, so they love it, you know. So uh, the board game is this going to be in a similar vein? I I think I I've described it to a couple of people as from what I've read, and I've only I've only looked over the rule book once, but from what I've read. It seems as though it's Warhammer Quest for masochists. <laughs> so it's again, it's it's a sort of RPG light co-op game, mm-hmm. um, but I think with the the trademark punishing Dark Souls difficulty. I will say the the um, the box um, also includes a bunch of miniatures, and they are phenomenal. Yeah, the, the miniatures do look fantastic. You were showing me them yeah. earlier, and yeah, the the. I think they're actually taken from three D renders from the game. That's really cool. I really that's really neat. I like that. So the they're very they're very faithful mm. to the. Certainly, the, the the from from what I've seen as well from the materials, like the stuff you get in the box, like it, it matches that aesthetic as well. Just it's all it's the, for for I know you've got people in their different camps, your Euro games and the Meritrash and all that, but I'm not interested in all of that. But the the presentation of the whole thing is yeah is phenomenal, and as someone who's quite big on that for games, uh, absolutely, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm you know, really impressed with the the quality of this this product. Yeah, so I, I, I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Uh, how many players does it uh, do? I think it's probably it's probably four players. I yeah, think. I don't think this one has a dungeon master. No, I, th- I think it is. It's more of a sort of Arkham Horror mm-hmm. style thing where it's the players against the game. Sure. Cool. Um, yeah. No, looking forward to giving that a go. But I mean, like the the um, the dungeon crawler sort of genre in, in board games is a great it's, one as well. Like, massive, there's so it? many. It's really taken off because yeah. you've got you get Zombicide and Dominion and all that. There's, yeah, it's really popular. And I think I think there's actually a couple of others that have come out of Kickstarter recently. I need to follow Kickstarter more. You know, it seems to be the the uh, the place for. Uh, new board games they go to I did I did get a, a birthday present last year that was a Kickstarter game actually oh, just yeah. a little one uh, Exploding Kittens I remember you 
Tony. Yeah. yeah. It's quite a fun little game, actually. It only takes you, like, ten minutes to play. But it's, it's good to have games like that, though. Exactly. Like, uh, to, to whet your appetite. Yes. <laughs> before, it's, yeah. before getting into an, a, a big meal. Yes, an entree before the, <laughs> before the roast, yes. so to speak. But um, I I always like like one of my favourite ones as I mentioned earlier was Betrayal at the House on the Hill. That's a uh, great game. I've yeah, only, I've only played it once. What but, happened in your game? Um, someone was possessed, right, by an evil spirit. I can't I can't remember. Someone was possessed by an evil spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Alan, my brother-in-law. So sorry, who who were you playing it with again? Sorry? I was playing it with my brother-in-law Alan, my my sister Abby, my wife Charlotte, and and myself. So it was mm. just the four of us. And Alan was possessed. And was it Alan? No, I think it was Charlotte. Okay. It was Charlotte because I'm remember I'm remembering now because what happened was she had to go away while mm-hmm. we conferred. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. one of the that's and that's one of the funniest things. So if you've never um, if you've never seen or heard of this game before, um, what you do is you it starts just as a co op game, right? You're, you're a group of people and you're exploring this creepy old house. It's great because um, it follows the the sort of horror movie formula, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So you you're going through this house and basically it's not a fixed board that you have. You've got tiles that you just shuffle up and you randomly place them as you're walking yeah. through this house. And you so every, every game is different. Yeah, yeah. So immediately you've got a lot of replayability val- yeah. value just there alone. But what you're doing is, while you're exploring, you're discovering what they're called omens, and these are sort of like spooky, yeah. creepy things that, again, borrow a lot of tropes from like horror film and literature. And then eventually, something will happen, and usually, in most of the scenarios, uh, one of the players will betray the rest hence, of them. Hence the name. And this is one of the, the one of the funniest moments in the whole game is sending the traitor away. Yeah. Off you go. Get away. <laughs> Never darken my doorstep again. Until you've read the rules and we've finished reading the rules. So, yeah. And then you've got this. Like I, I, th- I think the, the easiest way of describing it is a bit like a choose-your-own-adventure style book. Uh, yeah. You've got all these different scenarios. So I, I think it's, it's 40 or 50. Uh, it's a huge it's... amount. So the, the, one, the one that we played, um, one of the... The the good players mm. uh, was the heir to this ancient uh, this ancient throne within the mansion. <laughs> right. Because it, as the story progresses, it emerges that, that this this haunted house was once the seat of power of some noble from beyond, <laughs> and the the betrayer is trying to end this family line. Right. So we had to get two artifacts uh-huh. and and get to the throne room with the yeah. heir so the betrayer doesn't know mm-hmm. what who the heir is so right yeah. oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. okay yeah. So, so so i so what you can do is you can split up and keep them guessing or you can have everyone protect mm-hmm. the heir so we may have misread the objective 
and didn't realise that the throne room was actually a pre-existing card. So we oh, were we were running around the mansion like idiots trying to find this throne room. And it was actually that we'd complete. already gone in and out of several times. Oh no. So I think because the betrayer had to kill us in a certain amount of turns, mm-hmm. we technically won, but it was not a moral victory at all. But there were no winners. There were no winners in that game. <laughs> nope. But this is so. This is the brilliant thing with it. Like you're describing that one game you've played, and it's a scenario that I'd never come up. And I, I own this game. Like I've I've, I've played you, it like half it, a dozen times. It more than me. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I I love it for that for if if nothing else and it all it always gets a great laugh. But even if both of us had played that scenario, each of us would have a totally different story of how it played out. Exactly. Like we spent the mm. whole of the rest of the game running around like you know something from <laughs> Scooby Doo, <laughs> while Charlotte's trying to figure out. Which yeah, one, of which one is, to kill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I imagine some other people, you know, like oh yeah, the villain kills all or similar. <laughs> it's yeah, you know, it. So that's that's a marvelous game, uh, which I think broadly speaking you can put in the dungeon crawler. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a load of other ones that you know I'd love to try. So I, I I was seeing some friends last night. They were talking about Arcadia Quest, which is meant to be fantastic. Um, there's Mice and Mystics as well, which is definitely sort of the uh, maybe a little more on the heavier side of the RPG element, so. but but in a, not obviously in a good way. Uh, that so that's meant to be worth trying as and well. I, th- I think I've said to you, although although it technically is a living card game, the the Lord of the Rings card game, you could probably put in that uh, dungeon crawler. Yeah, well, it's a well. cooperative, isn't it? Yeah, it's a so. cooperative, and it's um, it's however many players against the exploration deck mm-hmm. so you're encountering enemies and obstacles and things like that and in your own deck you've got equipment and you've got uh, creatures and things like that it's a really good game yeah I need to try that at some point as well yeah, but so. I, th- I, th- I think uh, I think Dark Souls is definitely top of that's it, to that's playlist. that is the top priority yep. at the moment so uh, guys I think we're going to call that a um, a day, a night, a morning, whatever time it is you you happen to be listening to our voices. Uh, but uh, what we're gonna do de- before next time is we we're, we're gonna we're gonna give Dark Souls uh, a bit of a whirl and report yeah. back to you. Let's see uh, let's see how bad this bad boy is. Uh, but uh, from me, Josh, and from Ben, have a good day and thank you for listening. Thank you.